That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Burn it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome everybody to episode 56. Fuck if I know, it's been a month. It's been a month, I think it's 56 of the uh, Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm your host Luke Matthews and we are gathered today with the entire Trade Secrets crew. Andy Padel is here. Uh, Joel Simon is here. What's up? Yes! Eddie Isaac is here. Hello. And Ann Bean is here. Hello. Uh, it has been, as everyone knows, uh, a month of, of vacations for us. Vacations for several people. So the show has been gone for a little while, and we are back now to talk about an- fifty-five, uh, fifty-six of Spaceman. Okay, episode fifty-five. <laughs> Good. Uh, we are here to talk about episode. Uh, we're supposed to be talking. It, it was a real good. Start I don't know talking. And then it just it went downhill from there. <laughs> um, so we're talking about Alan Moore and J. H. Williams the Third's Promethea came out in two thousand and ninety-nine. Uh, the public publication date said 2000 on the thing that I was it's reading. It's set in 99. It's set in 99, but I think the first issue came out in 2000. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Um, we will be talking about that a little later, uh, but we've got some we got some shit to catch up on. Yes. And before we start yes, talking we about before we start talking about what we're reading, I I actually do news um, and announcements. Uh, news and announcements. Are there news? Yes. Is there news and announcements? The next phase of Marvel's dominance of all media types. Oh, that's with right. Four series on Netflix, including uh, Iron Fist, uh-huh. uh, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. Daredevil, and what makes me most excited, uh-huh. Jessica Jones. Oh, they're doing they're doing Alias. Alias, that's basically. Awesome. That's yeah, cool. Which is uh, one of my personal favorites. There was also the announcement that AMC is picking up a pilot or ordered a pilot for Preacher. Uh, produced and directed by Seth Rogen, oddly enough. What? The yeah, oh, 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 oh. no, it's, really? he's, he is he is like he's a huge comic nerd, you know, just yeah. like everyone thinks. And he's and Preacher has been his all time favorite comic forever. So now AMC's ordering a and AMC does not pick up garbage. So no. yeah, well, Preacher's well, Preacher's my favorite book, but you know that's Preacher that's, is one of the things that I I almost wish it was HBO instead of AMC because AMC does some I mean Walking Dead proves that AMC can go to some lengths with their shit but But Preacher steps over the line I think that even AMC can can put on TV that whole Marquis de Sid uh, is just not gonna happen nope that's that's gonna pass that by there's things that don't happen in a Walking Dead TV show just because they can't show them Uh like yeah so it'll be it'll be interesting but yeah there's there's some TV and movies coming out. I just want to know who plays Cassidy. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> I, I really want to know who's going to be cast Who would you that, cast so. as Cassidy? I have absolutely no idea. Maybe uh, from our earlier discussion, uh, Charlie Hunnam. Uh, Charlie Hunnam seems too... Spike. No, Spike's too old. He's too old yeah. now. Yeah. What? Have he's you seen... He's been in stuff recently, and he, he actually has gotten to the point where he plays a gray-haired old guy in stuff now. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, he was in... It was a decade ago, dude. I yeah. Can, well, I understand that, but... Um, he, no, Charlie Hunnam just seems too. I mean, to quote an earlier discussion from before the show was on, a little too pretty for Cassidy. Um, Who's the dude that plays Cassidy all on uh, thing? Supernatural. Oh, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but yeah, that guy maybe Castiel. I could see that. Oh, um, oh Jesus! I just thought his name too. It's it's a his name. His you first know, name is very feminine. It's a it's like a Misha yeah. Misha Collins. Misha Collins. Misha thank Collins. you. Collins. There we go. I was thinking actually, and this is this is a little out there, but um, he's got the accent, and I think he's got the look, but he's a little scrawny. Is the guy? F- um, do you remember the rundown? Yeah. Do you remember the pilot? The guy with. I've got oh. a dodgy knee. Oh, that him. Guy, oh, yeah. I think he could be a good Cassidy, actually. So, as a side note, uh, Tulip, I think, would um, the girl from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I have never seen that show, so. Um, I cannot remember her name right now. Yes. Yes. I don't would be an amazing person either. to. Yeah, that's him. What's his name? Ewan Brenner. Bremner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will show you the picture, and this is why I believe he's a, he would play Cassidy. He's got the look. He's got the look, and he's got a fucking Scrawny, Scottish accent. Sociopathic, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he's wow. got the look, right? That's impressive. 
Like, yeah. maybe we'll post something like with uh, Twitter or something like that. Be <laughs> yeah. like, this guy. This All is what we're talking about. Maybe we'll do. We have to do like a fan-made YouTube trailer <laughs> and just ask <laughs> who we want. Just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Preacher because Preacher is one of those books that um, it was the it was the point where um, uh, Vertigo became amazing. Who fucking writes that book? Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis. Garth thank Ennis, you. Yeah. That was the that was the stage where Garth Ennis, I think, was at his pinnacle, in my opinion. Where after that, he gets m- a little bit more maybe too shock jockey with the way he he writes his comics but there he was he hit that limit and and decided to hold back from pushing over it and what so titles did he write after the Preacher? boys um crossed uh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i, I love cross crossed and you're like oh punisher okay. max i get Pun- it yeah punish oh the, the really um well the he, good he, punisher the max good, was, not the great punisher max but the good punisher yeah the max. good one was the the great one was jason aaron yeah um which character did he take on or was was it not Punisher Max, but Punisher Max? Yeah, it was the other. Person. It was the original Punisher Max, okay. not not Punisher Max. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> joke to say, that joke has legs. <laughs> it really does. Um, so yeah, lots of news. The one thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into stuff is that, um, of course, I I went on vacation in Australia, and I'm not going to talk about the vacation because yeah, it's, so, it's fucking Australia. It's awesome. But, I'm, um, I'm going to interject real quick. This is bullshit. You go to Australia and Joel and I go to St. Louis. St. Louis. <laughs> you know what the thing you could get in St. Louis that I could not get in Australia though? Shock top. Cheap beer. Oh my God. I, okay. So I will mention this. The fucking alcohol in that country is retarded. It is so expensive. We saw the average six pack of shitty beer was 20 bucks. They had. We went into a bottle shop that had a six pack of Bridgeport Kingpin, which is from Portland, which I saw in QFC two days ago for seven ninety nine a six pack. A six pack was thirty one ninety five in Sydney. Is a, that consi- keeping in mind like money differences? Import taxes. And the tra- I mean, the, like the exchange rate versus the exchange rate is a dollar six Australian to a dollar US, okay. so it does not. Like the exchange dif- exchange rate is not a big difference. We live like kings, <laughs> and <laughs> and the um, uh, we were at a bar one night, and I was Gotta talking because like exchange rate, <laughs> yeah, the actual like um, a pint of beer in most places is ten dollars, uh, and we were sitting at a bar, and I was talking to the bartender, and I asked her, "What does a fifth of like Glenfiddich twelve cost?" Which is about thirty five bucks here, about ninety. 130 to 150 Ooh. for a fifth of Glenlivet or Glen Glenfiddich. No, not not even it's anyway. Getting off that subject, the thing that I wanted to talk about actually was um, we. I met up with a guy that I uh, that I talked to on Twitter. Um, goes his Twitter handle is Geek Commissar, and he's um, he does some writing for a couple of of websites, and he's a huge comic book nerd. And um, we had this discussion because we met him in Brisbane and. He was talking about kind of the culture in Australia and how um, the just the overall culture in Australia is still very like hyper masculine, like hyper like macho. You know, Manly men. You, there are still cool people and people who read comic books are fucking nerds and like you you know you don't have they this, play rugby right <laughs> I mean, yeah all blacks yeah. are a thing man yeah so you don't have um, so you all blacks are a thing that's, that's the news that's New Zealand actually that's the New Zealand national rugby team is the New Zealand all blacks and it's because oh. of their con- oh, like, it's because of their uniforms are all black like, it's wait, not what <laughs> they imported some dudes like, Australians like, are tiny like, 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 it's what? like the NBA um, <laughs> so you got me with that one. <laughs> so, um, the the nerd culture there is kind of is still kind of it's like it was here in the eighties and no. early nineties, where everybody's just kind of become like, enlightened. Um, however, they do have a pretty awesome like uh, traveling comic convention called Supernova that they they do four a year in. Um, Actually, I think they might do five. I know they do them in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and Perth, and I think they might do one in Adelaide. But um, the thing that I was amazed at was we walked into a comic shop in Sydney. Was it in Sydney or was it? No, it was in Melbourne called All Star Comics. That was um, even with a a weird like 
still kind of underground comics culture, one of the best comic shops I've ever walked into. Like, super well organized. Everything was, like, it was big. They had, you know, they had new issues of everything. They had, like, fucking um, these huge trade shelves. Everything was awesome. They didn't have a hell of a lot of back issues, but um, the the thing that amazed me is that... Um, Australian comic shops don't have a way to get comics at wholesale prices. So they effectively, and I think it's, I mean, they, they are effectively paying cover price for everything that they God. get, which means that um, on every shelf, and I took a picture of this that I'll, maybe I'll post to the website, but I know I posted it to Facebook and Twitter that um, they have a, on every shelf they have a, a conversion chart basically. Uh, a single issue of a comic book that costs two ninety nine in the u s costs between three ninety nine and four ninety nine depending on which comic shop you go to um, so they're paying at least a dollar more and the 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 more common was four ninety nine so usually they're paying five bucks a pop for individual issues of comics if the comic is a three ninety nine they're usually paying six dollars for it um gross wow. so are trades equally marked up? No, actually, I found that um, uh, a lot of the shops uh, will sell trades at straight cover. And I I have a feeling that that's because through sites like Cheap Graphic Novels and Amazon, um, you can get trades for super, super discounted. And so they could probably get order a fuckload of trades off of Amazon at a super discount and even with shipping to Australia could still sell them at a profit if they sell them straight at cover. You know, that makes me wonder, like, what's the politics behind distribution of trades? Is it, and if it's any different than issues? Because I know, like, Domino, right? But, mm-hmm. like, does Ingram or Baker and Taylor or any of the wholesale book distributors that go worldwide also distribute I don't think they trades? do because I think Diamond pretty much has a lot. I know that, like, I know for a fact that Marvel and DC exclusively distribute through Diamond. Yeah. So you might be but able like to get Pantheon some of the smaller and top shelf and stuff. Sure, um, but it's it's interesting to see that, like, even with those shitty prices and with the culture that they've got, they still have these amazing comic shops that are supported by people that have subscription shelves just like they do here so people are still going into those stores and paying five bucks a copy for comic books and still supporting the industry enough that they can have this awesome traveling comic convention that brings people like Matt Fraction and Gail Simone and Kelly C. DeConnick and you know Jason Aaron and all those guys down there to go to go to their comic convention and it really put our comics industry into perspective for me and how people you know people bitch about our comic industry in this country and i'm like you you got to stop bitching because people have it way the fuck worse than we do yeah but it's australia they're all convicts (laughs) (laughs) they deserve anything Uh, that they get andy making friends and influencing people wherever he goes we did not find a comic shop in new zealand when we were in auckland but we found there are some really good comic shops in in brisbane and sydney and melbourne um and the the culture there is is pretty awesome, uh, ar- you know, around those shops. But they're, I'll tell you, they are. Even though the shops are nice, they are very much like shops used to be in inner city shops, where they are kind of they're really fucking hard to find. Like so, so All Star, for example, which is a really nice shop. We were wandering around Melbourne, and we found we we were we found them on the map, mm-hmm. and we were walking down the street where their location supposedly was, could not find them. There was no street frontage. There was no sign. There was nothing that we could see outwardly that said All-Star Comics. We're like, we initially, we were like, I guess they're closed, right? Maybe they're closed down and they're just still on Google Maps for whatever reason. And we were like... You have to sacrifice the blood of a virgin. Yeah, right. The pig (laughs) of a tail. uh, uh, The foot foot of a giraffe. Did you say the pig Pig of a a tail? tail. Okay, I I just wanted to make sure. So you cut the the tail off and keep the rest. Okay, that's right. So... So it's what the recipe calls for. <laughs> <laughs> we're walking around looking for it and we're like we gave up. We're just like oh, oh well. So we had another shop on our uh, on our map that we were going to go walk to um and check out. So we crossed the street and we looked back and th- so there's a it's kind of a weird story, but there was like a moving truck on the street and I'm like so I'm looking across the street and I'm like maybe it's behind the moving truck or something. Maybe we just missed something. So I'm kind of looking back and then I look up 
and in the second story windows above a completely different shop is a sign that says All Star Comics. <laughs> and I had to, you have to we had to, we crossed back across the street, found one of the doorways into this building, had to walk to the end of a hall, and then saw their sign on an elevator. Like no street frontage whatsoever, I, and like so many shops easy. were like that. Yeah, I, I was yeah. waiting for you to go into like a story similar to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> we're like, and actually there was a pathway, and it looked just like a giant chasm <laughs> when we moved a little bit to the left we realized that it was just painted that way <laughs> yeah it was and all the shops were that way it's really weird because Strange. like they're all they're all stuffed into spaces that normal retail wouldn't go into because obviously they need them to be cheaper and the they've got no frontage they've got no like anything even game there was a uh, there was one game store in in Melbourne that had a little bit of frontage um but you'd think there would be i mean they have a whole packs in australia and people go to it and they're not just flying in from other Isn't places it in video Sydney, though no it's in melbourne okay. video game stores are are not that way okay. video games are still video games are Our basically thing. the way they are here except for the fact that they have to deal with the fact that their video games are rated by their government so they shit goes really badly wrong with the rating system there eh. but whatever um video games still you know there's eb games and there's there's game stores and stuff um but eb games yeah it's still called eb games there. what yeah <laughs> that's yeah. a blast did you walk back 10 years <laughs> crap this plane took us across continental and across time continuum, across time continuum. that's right time travel is possible we were looking we were looking around uh for different places we were looking for game stores and, and comic book shops to visit and so i got a list of all of them off of google maps and one of them was called dungeon crawl and i expected a store called dungeon crawl to be game store like like Role-playing games and board games and magic and shit like that. It's a fucking video game store. S and M. We walked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We walked in. We walked I into this copy st- of Final Fantasy VII and these amazing leather and pants. These, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it was like it was really, really, I guess, humbling to see a country like supporting the comic industry so heavily in spite of um, itself. In spite of itself, in spite of it, like, I, it makes sense why it was supported in the U.S. when when it when the attitudes were that way because at that point in time comics were cheap, right? Like they were a dollar, a buck twenty five. Well, and all all through the eighties, you were looking between seventy five cents and a buck twenty five for for cover price on comics. So they were still cheap enough that people that nerds could get a hold of them and collect them and stuff without too much of a problem. They've got all the all the shitty attitudes toward geeks. Uh, of the 80s but they have to pay an arm and a leg to support their their hobbies um which is uh, it's it's a little humbling for me in in my you know with my 25 books on my subscription shelf every month and trades that i buy all the fucking time and the giant right, shelf of doubled, trades it would, and it pretty would, much yeah, be double or triple for you so expensive you know it makes me wonder like what their minimum wage is it's like, way higher yeah, yeah, exactly. The, it's higher they the were cost saying, of living is higher. They were saying uh, when I was talking to, um, we were talking to that same bartender that we were talking about the price of the um, alcohol, and she said that minimum wage is eighteen dollars an hour. Oh my god! And oh uh, god. and she, as a bartender, was getting paid twenty six dollars an hour oh base god. wage. So and that and that was the other thing that uh, because of that as well, they do not have a tipping culture because their wait their wait staff pay, gets yeah. paid a living Pays. wage. Yeah. So tipping is the way it should be where you're optional. tipping f- it's optional and you are tipping for exceptional service you're not tipping just because, because you feel obligated, obligated to give to this it. person a living wage right, right? Yeah. Um, so it seems like the the difference here between like the midwest and california you know where the cost of, of yeah. living is a lot higher in california so, so people get paid more and stuff is more expensive so twenty dollars for a six-pack yeah well that's also a lot of taxes they said that there's they said that um the average alcohol when i went in the bottle shops it said between uh between gst and uh alcohol taxes um you're paying almost almost 45 percent of the cost of the alcohol you buy there is taxes yeah Yeah, it's Mm. like washington then because it's not quite that bad here but it's 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 like 28 i think but but even here we're paying 28% between sales tax and the alcohol taxes. It's like 28% of the cost of the alcohol, but it still only costs me 
50 bucks a fifth for a, a fifth of Woodenville whis- whiskey as opposed to hundreds of dollars, like over a hundred dollars, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Because we were in St. Louis and St. Louis is much cheaper than mm-hmm. it is in Washington. Yeah. It was like Washington 20 years ago. Yeah. Which is kind of. I got lucky and different. got a fifth of Woodensville on sale the other week. It was on post too. It was like 30 bucks. Yeah. There was a, a bottle of Kraken I think was $17. <laughs> it's like, this is glorious. Mm. Yeah. Christina and I completely forgot to do what we were said we were going to do and stop by the duty free in the airport and stock up on alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm done. That's, I just wanted to talk about the comics culture in, in Australia because I thought it was really interesting. So. Um, I, I obviously have not been reading anything for the last month because I, I have not <laughs> been reading comics. So all that all that time on the plane, you d- didn't get a chance to read. I Slept. get super motion sick on planes, Ooh. so uh. trying to read on planes is a bad idea for me. Um, so we watched movies on plane on mm-hmm. the plane. Actually, we did our uh, we did our White House invasion movie marathon and watched uh, White House White down, House down and the Olympus Eagle, has fallen. Olympus has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> haven't watched The Eagle or any of those, yeah. but yeah, we, we did White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen in a row, and those were spectacularly cheesy. What, yeah, they are. Yeah, they're different No, movies. they're not. They came, out yes, within they, like, they came out within like in a month of each other yeah, or something, yeah. too. What's well, like Battle for L.A. and freaking um, Sky... Sky... Oh. I know exactly what you're talking about. This Skylight? Sky... Skyline. 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 There you go. Yeah. You know they delayed Battle for LA because... A movie based on a Nissan. Yeah. <laughs> like, ba- yeah. Skyline. Skyline and Battle for LA are the same freaking movie. It's sequel GTR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you guys been reading since I've been gone? A lot of War Machine books because of St. Louis. You just went to War Machine Tourney? Yeah. That, they, that was the tournament to go to and there was prep work involved. Joel, you read any comics since? Uh, did I? Did I? Well, <laughs> did I? yes, I, I read. Did, did I read something? Yeah, no, I read the the second book of um, the new, not the new Avengers, uh, the Avengers. Just the one called the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers. Okay. It's yeah. it's Hickman and it's the White Event, and which is which is kind of funny because some of that like ideas of like the the meta universe culminated into creating a star brand which is like the protector of earth um it's a lot like promethea where this out of the ether comes this character Hmm. this defender of humanity like do you know how promethea ends joel no i don't (laughs) no i don't either no i've all i've read is just this one book but but anyway it's it that's how that this white event it's the second book. so like the century yeah that just come like comes into being because of creator's imagination yeah Mm. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's pretty much what this was too. So, um, it was it was it was good. I I love Hickman. So I usually really like Hickman. I like Hickman's. I like all of Hickman's creator own stuff. Secret is amazing. Um, I haven't actually. I haven't read Pax Romana yet. Pax but, um, really good. This is the mm. same Hickman of the Manhattan Project. Yes, Manhattan yes. Projects. But um, not, um, East of West right now is the one that I'm it? reading. Nightly News. Yeah, it's yeah Nightly News, which uh, it was a little shaky for I me it. with but Dan Rather. <laughs> Um, I like to lick a lemon, but I wasn't a big fan. I wasn't as big a fan of the Avengers. I got I got through the first five issues, I think, and I gave up on it because I was just like, mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he goes in the second book. He goes back to that Mars that Mars group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he goes back to them, and that's like, good because that's one of the reasons I gave up is because they had this huge setup for these characters, yeah. and then they're just like. Yeah. Eh. Well, those they're just, they're just like, like, oh, we're not supposed to do this. All right, we won't do this. It's and more of a slow burn. Like, it it oh comes back to it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Those those guys were were created for a reason to kind of set up that new Marvel now universe yeah. for the Avengers. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's decent. So that that's the only thing I really got to read because I was researching. Uh, War Machine also. War my dudes. Yes. Got a little bit of time, so let's you two talk briefly about what you're what you've been reading too. Um, I have read a whole bunch of random stuff, but I will talk about. I read the first trade of the new Fifty Two Dial H, mostly because China Miebel. Yeah, China Miebel wrote it, and I was like, okay, let's see what what is it. And I know nothing about the series, so it was interesting. It's it's random superpowers. Random Enjoy. superpowers. It's like fat, sad dude ac- accidentally <laughs> figures out that there's this mystic, like very phone booth, mystic phone booth in a very like Alan Moore like her- hermetic secrets tradition, <laughs> where if he dials the you know equivalent of hero, he gets transformed into a completely random superhero. And I like how awkward it is. Like the superheroes <laughs> are not necessarily cool. Sometimes they're really like. They make zero sense, and 
I might keep reading the series just because it hints the first trade got to a point where it hinted at a sort of greater parallel world's weird thing that was happening and um i also read the second trade of sweet tooth and i got it from the library and it's interesting enough that i might look at the third trade probably from the library okay i think that it ends after three oh that's good actually i don't i didn't think it was that short i thought it went to like 45 or 50 issues no, I thought no because no. I felt like this oh, one was okay. getting sort of midpointy so yeah. I was curious as to how I mean long. I know it's over um, but it's nice I don't know I think it's nice to have a variety of lengths of story and to plan yeah. out something that maybe is going to be just 15 or 20 issues but I haven't read I haven't read Sweet Tooth yet but now that I'm reading Trillium which is oh, also yeah. by Jeff Lemire is fantastic I might go back and read Sweet Tooth because I'd say it's worth a borrow for yeah. sure okay but just touch on what you talked about. So you know, like back there's like in the golden age or or like in the sixties, there was a there was a book Dial H for Hero, and it was about a brother mm-hmm. and a sister, and that and that's how they got their powers. They like almost like the yeah. That's cool. You, like the Wonder Twins. Dial H almost yeah. <laughs> it was that's what it was. It was Dial H for Hero, and every time they both got their powers together. But the bad thing was is that. When they needed, like, when he needed to be, especially the guy, when he needed to be, like, super fast or super strong, he'd be, like, a super telepath. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he just, like, he would all, his powers would all be messed up, all be messed up. He'd, he'd have a powerful being, but it would be, like, but not, it would the not one be the right for that situation. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like an interesting series, and that's actually probably the most interesting idea I've heard come out of the New 52. So I, it's something that I might read. I feel like it's in the tradition of the Doom Patrols and the other okay. like weirdo DC surreal superhero books. So yeah. I'm into yeah. it. So it'll last six issues and then they cancel. <laughs> exactly. That's right. So um, I've actually got some good news, and I'll get to that after I talk about what I've been reading. So, of course, I've been reading the Batman Zero Year mm-hmm. uh, piece. Which um which is very interesting and the canon the the straight up Batman canon storyline with um, Greg Capullo and um, Scott Snyder Scott Snyder is just awesome it's mm-hmm. it's just great I don't like the fact that Batman has like this really fucking shitty haircut <laughs> like it's a real like dude like yo really it is one of the worst superhero here like haircuts all of I've, my bat gadgets are no use to this one stray hair damn you know, it it's like like. He had a full head of hair, like in the tradition of Bruce, Bruce Wayne. And then, like, I don't know who gave the, I, I got to read back and see who gave this haircut. I think it was Alfred. But anyway. What the, Alfred gave him a haircut up. with like, the bat floby. Dude, he cut his hair with a batarang. Like, Riddle seriously. this, Batman. How he's do you like, fix this haircut? No, like, seriously. He's, like, sat him in the chair. He's like, Alfred, throw the batarang at me continuously until you cut my hair. And then this is what happened. But other than that, it's awesome. Um, um, I've been reading that. The Harley Quinn series started. Yeah. With Harley Quinn Zero, of course, I bought a regular cover and an alternate cover. This Harley Quinn Zero was actually really interesting because they took sixteen. They took sixteen different artists and had them depict right. Harley Quinn. So you've got Bruce Tim, which is ultra rare to see him like draw anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bruce Tim, you've got Jim Lee, you've got uh, uh, so many. There's isn't there's, this isn't this the comic that they did the open call for and got all the controversy because of their. Like because of that one panel, chicken soup bikini, one, chicken yeah, soup chick- bikini, the chicken soup bikini, and yeah. the the bathtub with the toasters and all yeah. that shit. Yeah, it was yeah. like. So did they get any um, new female artists that we haven't seen yes. much from? Yes, okay. they did. I just I was trying to remember all the artists, but like yeah. um, Alexandra Kuhnman. Jeez, oh, what's her name? There's there's like three female artists that the actual lead artist on the comic is a female. So lead like it's so, so starting with issue or one. Or the writer. On. The lead writer is is a female starting okay. with issue one. The um I'm sorry, I can't remember the names exactly right now. That's fine. But yes, the lead writer is a female, which I, I think Harley Quinn specifically, that character should be oh, yeah. should be written by, written by a female, um, for sure. Um the other things I've been reading, of course, is my standard my standard Batman, Superman, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. However, I've been reading Infinity, and Infinity is awesome. And I'm not talking about the side issues. I'm talking about the main, the main six-issue storyline of Infinity is one of the best storylines I've read from, Mar- from Marvel, you know, from big Marvel in a while. Hmm. It's, it's very good. The, the characters are very well-written and very well-portrayed like Cap. Is Cap, Iron Man, you know, all these big these big heroes, the Avengers are portrayed in ways like Thor. This is one of the first times that I've enjoyed reading about Thor in and he's like just so badass. The um and the last thing I want to talk about is so um 
uh, people people don't know. I use to monitor my collection. I use a site called Stash My Comics, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I usually check things out every so often just to see exactly what the value change on certain things is because I, I own a lot of alternate uh, variants and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Well, so the Avengers versus X Men number one alternate cover, the blank cover, mm-hmm. apparently has become ultra rare and is now two hundred dollars. <laughs> Wow, and for, I, it's, I that's the sketch, the it's completely the sketch blank cover. sketch cover, and I own one, and I picked it up for like a dollar ninety five. Like it was, at, I was at a comic, nicely well, done. I, yeah, I was at like I was at other. Um, I don't. I picked, I picked it up. I picked it up out of a variant box. Somebody was doing a comic shop was doing a variant sale. Okay, yeah, and like uh, they were like, yeah, it's it's whatever price or whatever. It's like a dollar ninety five, and I was like, I picked it up, you know, just because. It shot up to like two hundred dollars, nice. and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I went back to check because I thought maybe something was wrong," and I was like, "No, no, really, this cover is like two hundred bucks," and I was like, "Oh my god, this is yeah. crazy." I mean, and that's I mean, it's all about supply and demand. If enough people collect them and they're just off the market, then, then people would then, be willing to pay quite a bit right. For them. Then they're they're going to pay more money yeah. for it. But yeah, so that's the best news for my comic collection. <laughs> So for the last few days, since uh, I've, a lot of us have been away and on vacation, uh, we have read the first six to seven, possibly issues of Promethea, uh, which is the fir- is the first comprise of the first trade. Uh, the seventh issue, I think Andy just included because it's fucking stupid. It's uh, really terrible, and I want, I was hoping someone else would read it and be like, "What the fuck?" It's really awful. Um, Let's do a summary of that when we got there, because I totally didn't read the second or the seventh issue, and I just read the first. Yeah, it's we'll, just bad. Yeah, we'll we'll describe it later. Uh, Promethea came out in ninety uh, nine or two thousand. It was it's written by Alan Moore and drawn by J H Williams the third, who is what book is he currently doing for DC? He was uh, doing Batgirl, isn't he doing Batwoman? Yeah, it was a Batwoman. Was. That's what it was. That's what it was. Um, it was him and Gale, right? Yeah, yeah, and he did. Um, uh, what was the book that? Desolation Jones, yeah. oh, uh, which is fucking so fantastic, uh, and Alan Moore is Alan Moore. Everybody knows the beard. Um, <laughs> Alan Moore. That's, that's it, Alan Moore. Yeah, like there, there's there's a real good way to describe Alan Moore. Alan Moore used to really care about comic books and doing cool weird things. There was a point where Alan Moore stopped caring about doing comics, which is the point I stopped caring about Alan Moore. His beard took over. It's which like if, George Lucas in his neck. Uh, to to <laughs> summarize my opinion, I think that was right before he wrote Promethea. Yeah. Uh, so really, this is this is a book about a person um, who really admired Neil Gaiman and saw stuff <laughs> that he like. Neil Gaiman's <laughs> taken all this mythology and put it together into an amazing book. I'll do that too. So the, the so you more, think more, you're more, allergic more. to mythology? Hmm. No, I just think I'm allergic to poorly thought out mythology. Because <laughs> I thought of, I thought quite a lot of thought went into this. This book is shit. Oh, this book is great. Okay, We're gonna so have a Sandman style divide on this one. This is probably my favorite work by Moore. Pro, okay, Promethea. The premise of Promethea is, is the premise of Promethea <laughs> is that a back in ancient times a um, I guess they. They call him an. He's an Arab, right? Is the yeah. Um, uh, he, he's a an, a magician, an, an Arab magician that um, before he gets killed by uh, Christian invaders, um, uh, sends his daughter off into the desert, and she gets basically taken in by um, a, a pair of gods who were they were Thoth Hermes. Uh, Thoth Hermes um, and brought into the Immateria, which is the land of imagination in this book. Um, so it's like the the real world is the material world, and then the immaterial world is the world of imagination, where everybody's thoughts reside, but most people can't access. So, so you're saying um, that so she lives with Willy Wonka? She does. In a land of pure imagination? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and the premise being that... Um, over the years, she has become a um, like a mythical figure that gets brought into fiction uh, every so often, and those people who concentrate on the fric- fiction that surrounds Promethea eventually channel will channel her into the real world, into the physical world, um, and become uh, a an avatar of of this person, Promethea, which is a very a fairly Wonder Woman like goddess kind yep. of very uh, very Wonder Woman golden very much. so <clears throat> books farther than yeah. this Armor. there's a, a 40s person who channels her and pretty much it's Wonder Woman yeah yeah, yeah. um um 
<laughs> I'm. Do you uh, want me to talk about Anne, the book? Why don't you I talk like about it? the book? Let's, let's Anne, Let's let Anne talk about this. So, I mean, one of the reasons why I like it is because I am a mythology nerd. And I'm a nerd specifically about this type of mythology. And I, th- I think having a parallel world that it, it has internally consistent rules. It's just bonkers because it's a, you know, Willy Wonka style world of pure imagination. Sort of. Sure. They get into some degree of like the idea. I mean, think, think of it if, if rather than avatars of Promethea, we ended up with like avatars of Batman. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. those who obsess over the Dark Knight become the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aside from the fact that, like that's more or less what's happening here. Um, I appreciate that the like the modern world isn't. It's not straight up modern world. It's like strange. All future, well, it's the Tom Strong world. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Magi- um, magical super techno. Yeah, sure. I liked th- this a lot better than Tom Strong. Um, I, I feel like it has that same sort of tongue in cheek poking fun at at not just um, not just superheroes, but like the the world of the superhero. I I really like the sort of Fantastic Four equivalent that like the five swell guys, the five swell guys, one of whom is I- inexplicably works. female and is referred to by a male name because she's sort of like taking on the mantle of one of the yeah. five swell guys. Uh, and and they're just sort of ineffective and shitty, and they do a lot of infighting, and they're like always fighting this doll, uh, <laughs> who I don't know. Um, I, I like I like their interactions. I like the fact that everyone just sort of looks at the Promethean is like, what are you one of these science people? Like, eh. um, I don't know. What do you not like? About I think it? I think everything you described is what I don't like about. <laughs> uh, so. I like the premise of the book, like the the idea of Promethea and what she is and and how she comes about. Really cool. I think that's fantastic. And later on, we'll talk about J. H. Williams's art. I love J. H. Williams's art. I love every piece of artwork I've ever seen from him. I the the execution of this story is is so ham handed. Okay, can and can I jump in real quick? Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. So, like, Promethea would have been interesting, like, because you've got this character who channels, you know, Promethea, and it's just an avatar. So, when the previous one dies, normally someone else takes up the mantle, right? The problem is that Sandman had just finished before Promethea started, where you have the avatar of Dream, who, when he dies, someone else takes up the mantle, and no one, you know, it's like, okay, there's just a new avatar. Um, it's kind of the same thing to me. <laughs> and you've got these weird like tangents of, you know, other mythos that like wander in and out. Same here. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've got, well, never mind. This is just the first trade. But Little the, Red Riding Hood carries a free good. The parallels between MP5. The parallels between Promethea and Sandman. Like, I really expect more from Alan Moore. Um, there's more like, there's, from more. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's some things that I really do appreciate about this series. There's always, um, if you guys like read through the whole thing, on a lot of the, the issues, there's going to be a gorilla crying in the background. The weeping the, gorilla. The weeping gorilla, which is uh, it's a call out to, there's like a sort of, I don't know if it's a rumor or a theory that covers of comic books that have gorillas that are purple and someone is crying always sell better. I have no idea where this has come from. Wow. It comes but from the depths of Alan Moore's beard no, is where it comes <laughs> no, from. That, no, that's, that's like outside of Alan Moore. Like yeah. Alan Moore took this and put it into the book, and it's in multiple issues. The only Weeping Gorilla reference in this entire book that I actually thought was funny was the little one on, I think it was issue five or six, that had uh, it had the Weeping Gorilla, and then it said, maybe we expect too much of George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay. There's um, the one that says, ask me about my marriage, which yes, I also found yeah, really funny. Ask me about my marriage. So Maybe she just gets the car. <laughs> she gets the kids she I get the, the car kids, yeah my 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 issue with the execution of this book is that I feel it feels there is there's a way to like include send-ups of popular um like uh culture stereotypes and, Meta, and culture, whatever uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, that that works, and I think in some ways, like uh, Flex, Flex Mentallo did it really well. Um, I think the problem with this is this really feels. The more I read it, the more it felt way too much like like we were sitting in a room listening to Alan Moore laugh at his own shitty jokes, and so there was these. It's just these. 
the way that the way everything from the way that people talk to the names of things like um like the clone meat and the five swell guys and the um the, just the way that he names shit uh to the the texture like posts and everything it just it comes across so forced cheese ball and fucking self-involved and it it just so you don't think the that the, the, out of me the, the comics whole. that it's parodying are cheeseball and self-involved so not no. in the same way i feel like um it, it, it there's so while luke's trying to figure this out i feel like tom strong is a perfect example of when it's done right Promethea is mm-hmm. when it's just off the mark enough where it like misses. Like so, I guess go, I I don't see how it's missing the mark. I just it, it doesn't it 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 doesn't flow for me. It doesn't it doesn't. I don't find it funny because it feels like there's too much of Alan Moore's ego just hitting me in the face with this with these stupid little references that that. God, I wish I could fucking articulate this. So I'm going to try to. I'm going to use your metaphor from earlier, where you say that you feel like you're in a room with Alan Moore, and Alan Moore is laughing at his own jokes. Yeah, that's Promethea. Tom Strong is you're in a room with Alan Moore, and you're laughing at Alan Moore's jokes. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's basically that's what I meant by that reference. Is that it? Just it does. It, I would like to do a comparison sometime because it's been forever since I've read Tom Strong, and I don't remember enjoying it as much as I enjoyed this. I felt like the the level of Reference was the same. Maybe I'm just more excited about the references than oh, this. Yeah. I think was top ten Alan Moore as well. Yes, uh, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but like there, there was a bunch of those ABC books, and I yeah. feel like uh, top ten, um, the Wild Forty ers and Tom Strong were the strongest of them. Um, this is not an ABC comic. I don't know if it was originally or not. Uh, yeah, no, I think it was. It was in a uh, maybe it was an ABC because it, it says so. it is ABC. Yeah, it says America's Best in Wildstorm. Yeah. So, yeah. but like, yeah, it's an ABC. I think this was the miss out of that group. I think the the thing that started it for me, and it's partially, it's it's. I I strongly dislike most of the side characters' voice in this book, starting with. Uh, Shelly, what's her name? Shelly, the the first Promethea that shows up and that she takes over for the 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 wife of the, yeah, author, of the author, right? Uh, Barbara Shelly, that's Barbara correct. Shelley. Um, where I don't I don't mind, you know, she shows up and she's uh, there's this the part where she's like she can only kind of half manifest Promethea, so she's in the Promethea garb, but she's still kind of this. Um, I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm just trying to be descriptive. It's just kind of this dumpy older lady that's in this uh, <laughs> Prometheus suit. in this Prometheus frumpy. suit and frumpy, and she's and you know she kind of she swears a lot and she's just like, "What the fuck's your problem?" kind of stuff. Yeah. And her character, I didn't mind that from so much because there was a reason for it, and there was a, it was uh, there was a point to it. But then it felt to me like every side character had that voice from from that point forward. The fucking mobster that hires the Smee to the two demon guys that come after her to half of the other superheroes in this city are all these just Just in a bad mood, lowbrow in a bad (laughs) mood. And they all have the same exact voice through everything. And that aggravated me because I didn't feel like anybody was like every. But that's that's what you have said is the same thing that aggravates you about like Kratos. You're like, oh, he's just to say he has no personality. Personality or no, whatever. I could see that then, point, then, though. Or like, or like, you know, or like, okay, take take a character like Batman. Batman is always upset. Like he's he doesn't smile. He's always in a bad mood. And I I think that I think that that particular part is the the whole happy, cheery superhero shit. I think that that's way overplayed. And I think that if you if you were to actually take someone who their job on a daily basis is saving a city or saving the world or saving eventually you're going to be a little fucking tired of the bullshit like you're going to be a little upset all the time you know I me mean? you're going to scowl a lot more um, in my uh, opinion yeah, I, mean, I see what you mean about the the emotional tone of pretty much all of the bad guys yeah. was very like stoogy yeah thank you that's a very good way stoogy. to put it. Um, and it, and it would have been nice, especially with like the two guys that turn into like mystical owl yeah. dude and mystical horse wolf. snake wolf <laughs> yeah. guy, like guy on wolf. And the, yeah. and it even it even comes around to um, later in the book when you when she goes into the immateria and she meets the Red Riding Hood, and I'm like, oh, a Red Riding Hood that smokes and has a gun. That's so that's yeah, I blah. liked the Red Riding Hood I mostly because was, of the it's, it's, it's the Bonnie imagination Hood from thing. Marvel too. 
That's yes. what it is. It's, Bo- it's Bonnie Hood. Yeah. But it's also, like, I like the fact that she had done a doodle at some point. She imagined this character. And this is like a shitty cutout of a character that she imagined. It really is. Who the has gun a doesn't literally, work. Yeah, an ineffective <laughs> gun. And the idea. It's like you're limited by yourself in your own imagination. And in some ways, I think. You draw guns like a girl. Yeah, right. In some ways, I. That's that's this is another perfect example of where I like the I like the concept. I like the concept of the doodle that turns into this shitty weird like limited version of a character that's based on some teenager's imagination of something that they just threw away, um, right? And that's but, kind of how people manifest Promethea in themselves. It's like how sure. how what are you going to write and like how well can you imagine yourself in the shoes the of the you can imagine goddess. yourself the better it, it manifests itself. Yeah. But I think it agree. was the exact manifestation that bothered me. I think it was the the execution specifically of it being a oh, fucking red riding hood with a gun and I'm, and a eh. cigarette it was just like i'm going to agree with i'm going to agree with luke in a couple in a couple aspects of to say that the the elements the elements that are com- that are supposed to comprise this book are great elements i think the execution is just pretty much shitty yeah, I, just, I just and i mean there's a, honestly it's like this is like one of those things where it's like if I don't take it seriously, I enjoy it, and and I and I think that's what I did. I started reading it, and I kind of was like, "Okay, let's not take this seriously." And I was like, "Oh, okay, it's it's not so bad." And I try to feed into like a lot of some of the feed into some of the humor, and uh, feed and kind of take it as that it was more like a spoof or a joke type. It was type comic and, and i was like and then, then maybe I, that's maybe that weakens it because I think a lot of the the stuff involving like Promethea herself and sort of these like four avatars of women that each mm-hmm. represent an element and a tarot suit and all of this stuff. Well, one's a guy. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's so right. one of the, I think the weaker aspects of this is I think we can all agree that Tom Strong is a, a parable of Superman, right? Yeah. yeah. This is av- obviously a parable of Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. Wonder Woman doesn't have as much background. Like he, she's not in the, the world's like, subconscious as much as Superman is? There's not as much meta Wonder Woman. Yeah, there's not, like, there's just not as much material to work with. Here's the deal with Wonder Woman, is, like, she's an icon, and I think Kate Beaton pegged this in her comic about Wonder Woman, like, she is absolutely an icon of, oh, she's the female superhero. Yeah. And women love her because she's powerful, but frankly... No one, aside from serious Golden Age comic book readers, have any idea what the fuck her story is, what she does. I mean, I... what the hell is her boyfriend's name? Like, right? Steve yeah. Solomon? <laughs> anyway. And, but, like, she's she's an icon, but there's no there's no substance under the form. And I wonder how this is playing off of that. I, I think she is a... What's the word that I'm looking... Like, yes, when people are like, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman's an icon. They say that because she's the only female the, icon. It's, it's what she just I, said. I, no, I'm trying to elaborate no, but she's a little more, bit more she's, she's, No, of all the fe- it's not like she's the only female icon. It's like of the female superheroes, she is like the, the hero, the hero of female superheroes. Like that, I think that's that's what it is. It's and that's what she just said. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> so, so let me, let, me, let me let me make sure that I'm, I'm getting this right. So, because she was the first, and she doesn't have that much depth, that's the serious problem that people yeah. have when they're using her as an example. There's just not enough meat. There's yeah. like you there said, there's not be. there's not enough there, it's there's not enough um, subconscious grounding like yeah. meta grounding in people's consciousness of that character like there is with Superman. Everybody, like what she really is. Everybody knows Superman. So the last thing I'm going to say about the execution of this that bothered me is that the first f- four issues I think because I read the first seven, first four issues are her kind of coming into the Promethea character and that those are the issues where I seriously had the problem with um with the the voice that I was talking about earlier, the stoogy bad guys mm-hmm. and the and and eventually it comes to the same thing in issue four when I they like go the when they show the yeah. when they show the other Prometheas in the Immateria watching her yeah. and it was just too slapstick like in their interactions for my tastes. Um then what did you expect it to be like what i got like what did i don't you, i don't i did like, not have any expectations but i didn't how like would you how, it, yeah, how would you yeah how would you rewrite that what should their actual interaction be like i there are multiple incarnations that's of what i'm the saying they're different they're different they're different people's I manifestation get, I, of that character in their mind yes so. I, I understand that <laughs> I felt are you gonna it, get I a room full of batman without yeah, it being it, a little it, cheesy exactly I, I felt that the i felt that the portrayal was too cynical 
Um, and not cynical in that the characters were cynical, but cynical in Alan I could cynical. hear I could feel Alan Moore's cynicism toward his writing hitting me in the face because mm. it felt like he was just like all of these people have been through this and because they've been through this they're all f- they're all really fucking jaded by it so instead C- kinda, of but instead I mean, of anybody being happy about the fact that they're living they're now living uh, in the immateria a- at their will they were all just like oh fuck this bro yeah, but this stupid little girl you know and kind of but the different manifestations like you had the the older woman her manifestation very gruff very yeah. left forward right but then you had the little girl and her outlook on it was totally different than like the guy. The little girl that barely speaks, and every time she speaks, one of the other Prometheus tells her to shut the fuck shut up, up because yeah. they can't stand her. And That's yeah. a perfect example of what I'm talking about that with the sense. cynicism of those characters. I mean, then the guy who's in like a woman's body, kind of his, you know, his take on. I don't know. I thought that actually is probably one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, that was that was uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought that that was awesome. So then the last part that I was going to move into <laughs> is that issues. F- Four, five, six, and seven, because I did read seven. Um, five and six, especially, are all about uh, sh- um, Sophie goes into the immateria and is now being kind of led through um, the four aspects of the Promethea mythos and like what she represents by other Promethea. They're yeah. showing her like wands, cups, swords, and and coins, pentacles. coins, and then that's the point where it is those two issues issues four and or five and six specifically and we'll comment on seven later are are so fucking wordy and unnecessary exposition that is there for no reason but alan moore had an idea that he he had this idea of what comprised the immateria and what the promethea world was going to be and could not fucking figure out a way to actually get that point across without it was like he couldn't it was a really he long not, joke. It was like a really long joke, and he, the punchline is not worth it. He could well, not figure out a way. What, what am I trying to say? He could not figure. He he was not willing to let the world speak. Uh, to he was not willing to leave stuff out and let the world speak to what he was itself. leaving out. Yeah. Instead, he was like, "I made this world, and you fuckers are going to know everything I know about it. Yeah. So I'm just going to tell you." I think yeah. I don't necessarily so think it was aggravated. that attitude. I think it's him nerding out about like magic and not knowing when to shut up and not tell the stop. Shut up and stop. Yeah. And that's and that yeah. was and that was the problem was that f- at the beginning of the book, I didn't like the character voice. In the middle of the book, I thought that the storyline got kind of stupid. And then the, the end of the books that we were reading, it was so fucking wordy that I didn't want to continue. Yeah. So so that's why I there's there's my description of why I don't fucking like this book. So. <laughs> Okay, so one one thing right Let's before this, right before this, I read uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Swamp thing, okay. right, and it seemed like he had his he had his idea. Okay, so what is Swamp Thing? And then he had to go into really deep dialogue about okay, well, the biological aspects of plants take in the. Uh, taking the essence of whatever it's around, and that's what actually Swamp Thing is. It's, it's more of a plant that thinks it's a man. It's not a man that is a plant. And that is where it really just bogged down for me in Swamp Thing. And so when I started reading Prometheus... Really? Yeah. Man, that's the part where I got interested in Swamp Thing. Well, exactly. Well, that's what he... He takes one one little nugget that he wants to expand on, and then he gets really verbose about it. And that's in Promethea. It started out as a nice, fun little ride. It's like, oh, and there's a lot of battles with demons, and she uses her imagination. And then he has to go into the origin story of, okay, what makes Promethea up? What makes up the Imperia, or the Immateria? And then he starts going on this big, long rant about imagination and thought and what two page spreads that are just yeah bloated with word balloons. Yeah, I can sum this but up. But other real, than that, they're really, really pretty. Easily. Yeah, there was um like I I used to be a huge fan of Alan Moore. Like, there's some stuff that he's done that I really really enjoyed. And about five or six years ago, there was a DVD that was floating around. There was an interview with Alan Moore. I'm like, this is going to be amazing because it was back from like '97 or something like that. And I popped it in. 
Alan Moore is the most boring speaker on the face of the planet. <laughs> He's um, very similar to the, the uh, Ben Stein in Ferris Mono- Bueller's Day Monotone. Off. Monotone. Yeah. He is monotone. monotone. He drones on and on Well, and the way on. I feel and about this is... And I'm also going to tell you one thing that I noticed in here that I believe is... I believe is a very small but important... Uh, Alan Moore commenting on editorial where they get to she gets to the immateria as Sophie and meets up with the little fucking birds with old people head things that that are nonsensical and she says I don't remember is that why I came here and it says of course it is you must recall we made arrangements with your aunt here's the sentence all the important balloons were truncated to me that is Alan Moore (laughs) saying all of my important dialogue oh, got God. edited out. Okay. So <laughs> I, I would make a here's, counter. Here's like, a deal. I'd like just an insert page in this and being like, actually, it's just, it's just one bubble of text. Actually, there wasn't enough physical space on the pages <laughs> to have all of your important balloons. Just have weeping gorilla saying that. Um, <laughs> so the thing is, I think this comic is great in spite of Alan Moore. Um, because I think to me the world building is incredibly compelling and interesting and I think it it gives that sort of missing substance that I feel to the Wonder Woman character and that's why it's important to me personally that being said I know that Alan Moore writes his have you read his scripts at all they're in all caps awesome (laughs) they're in all caps and they're incredibly verbose never learned lowercase and no, and not only are they incredibly verbose about like obviously his dialogue is very verbose, but like he will describe every single detail of every single it's panel, like and he'll tell yeah. you the backstory of the bench in the background. Every it is like the yeah. polar opposite of the Marvel method. Like I yeah. think Hulk so, punches Batman in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> next page. Next page. Next panel. So so one thing I, I wanted to say is I I. I like this. J- even though it did get a little bit more verbose, it was uh, verbose. It was getting into like what is the aspect of thinking and writing and imagination in that in all that is into creativity. And I really enjoyed it. And I love the counterpoint of you have these bumbling idiots that are the science heroes, the the not the Furious Five, but the five, five, guys. five, swell, five, guys. five, five guys. swell guys. And then you have this. <laughs> and then you have guys. this one effective um, hero who's completely <laughs> mythical and nothing about science is all about imagination so it's kind of like there there's that counterpoint um and i really did like the the two stooges that first came out because they were totally unprepared so they were like i did like a couple like there are a couple of lesser demons right those guys and then when they come up to her it's like oh shit shit. she's not some walk-on she's actually a fucking god they didn't really understand what they were going up against they weren't ready yeah and (laughs) the book ends with the magician coming in with all these other demons like okay well, you handled these lesser demons. I brought the full force. 26 packs of demons I, and whatnot. What, what, I just think that... Um, I think that what it does is... Because it doesn't... It, it's, an, it's funny that the book that's based on imagination that doesn't allow the reader to leave... To, doesn't leave anything to the reader's imagination because everything is fully explained mm-hmm. to huh, the T. And it's like... So that's actually a really good point, right? I, like, because you're right. He just, he just. You don't, right? You don't give me a chance to draw my own conclusions about anything. You don't give me a chance to say, well, I wonder. You know, they should have went. I, I, if it was, if it was me, I would have went. I would have went two books, two or two, two, you know, two uh, months or books or whatever, without even showing you immateria. Just so you could have kept thinking, like, what is this place? I really want to know what this place is. Give or me show it in little bits, yeah, like little they do in the first, bits. like in the exactly, first couple like little, issues, yeah. like tiny bits. The first time she goes there, they show they show a little bit, and they give you like these little hints right, toward give, it, yeah, just, and that's fine. But then when but she you, gets, you gave when, me the whole cake when I just wanted like. But then yeah, you're like, yeah. you, she, the moment you get attached to Sophie as a character, trying to deal with her real life mm-hmm. and the the impact that Prometheus is having on her real life, you take her out of her real life for no good reason and just throw her in the materia and start talking to her right and i i that's that 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 is a problem for me you you're you you're basically you're leading me by the hand and and taking me you're you're putting me in a maze and then you're not letting me figure it out you're leading me by the hand i think turn right turn left turn right turn left I think it's a shamanic initiation, but I think that Alan Moore talked too much during it. He did. There you go. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> Yo, you talked too much. <laughs> so an, another thing I want to add is I really like the, the false character. 
the the magician yeah because it brought up the idea that okay Fausto. this is this is an idea or create creativity in its infancy right and it mm-hmm. could be anything and he wanted to direct it into something that would turn it evil Faustin you know and it, and we all have know about ideas that start out as a good idea and when it's finally executed turns good idea into, fairy <laughs> yeah turns into something completely different yeah it's called Promethea commentary on that <laughs> exactly. I don't think it was a I don't think it turned out that poorly. I mean, I th- I hear your critiques, and I think they're totally legit. But having been like but the only person who's read like, the full you thing, you like what you like. It I, turns out that poorly. Yeah. And, like, I like what I like, and also, <laughs> and also, you can do about it. I think Andy yep. and I were the only two that read issue seven. Um, seven has sort of a there's what should be a small nugget of the backstory of Promethea, and it's an interesting concept. But it's executed terribly. So there's a there's a moment where they're passing back from the immateria into the real world, and in that passage, uh, Sophie makes this comment where she's like, "Why does everything look so hyper real?" So then the entire comic is done in, with photographs of real people instead of oh, instead that. of uh, drawings, and then the whole thing is them just wandering around talking about some bullshit that has nothing to do with the rest of the story so that they can it's like a bad filler issue and Ooh. i mean it and it's like it's it's, it's not good not good at it all. would have been a really and nice not only is it a bad two panel like yeah. sub story but is not worth a full they issue. fill an entire issue with it and it was basically like them saying you know what guys jh williams needs a break so we're just gonna like I, Alan Moore is going to, you know, take yank, some photos of yank his something out of his beard <laughs> and then take some photos of his friends and Photoshop them into a book. I, I and think it's just that, like, I <laughs> think that the problem, the biggest problem with this book is that there's a lot of wasted space. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's, there's just a lot. There is no, in terms of what in, in it's filled terms, with text. in terms of, yes, in, in terms of, in terms of like too, okay. too much text bubble. In terms of this book is supposed to be twelve pages. Oh, hey, we've only got six pages of story. I figure I can figure out something to fill in the other really? six pages. Yes, there's a lot. Of, there's me. a lot of stuff that I was reading, and I was like, "Oh my god, can we get to the freaking point?" Like, there's a lot of wasted space. There's like the like the backstory about the 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 poet, the, the writer, the that poet. They, that I they, don't they, care. I did they, not care. I did they, not care about that. At all. It's great that they got Charles Vest to come in and do a do a side story, but it's nine pages long, and it could have been three. Yes, exactly. Um, we could have got to the fucking point. Quicker, I think when quicker. Eddie says wasted space, I think he means that stories are stretched out too they far. Are. The side they're stories like are stretched, stretched out, too out, too out too far. Too many pages per side yeah. story. Yeah. Like, let's say you've got an average issue of Promethea has 20 pages of comic in it, and there's a side story in it that could be two or three pages. That could go anywhere from nine to, to an ten, entire yeah, issue. To an entire issue, issue, issue number seven. Story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's let's go ahead and wrap this up with a with a buy, borrow, burn, and we'll start with Andy. Burn, yeah. Joel, I'll buy it. Buy. I'm. I I can't I can't do anything but burn. Like I I want to <laughs> say I there's there's this part of me that really wants to say borrow just because of J H Williams' art, but the. The the execution is so bad that I have to say burn. <laughs> I absolutely say bye. Eddie? If, I think if, if you can just read something and not take it seriously, I'm just going to say I'm glad I didn't buy it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely glad that Andy bought it. I would borrow it. I would borrow it just to read it. Just, just for a joke, just for something. that is a de- that is a dead middle split. Then yeah. that is like, that is the split decision with two burns, two buys, and a borrow. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, would, I, I don't take it. my word for it. Now that we are, now that there's not vacations or anything coming up, we are going to presumably be back on our normal yeah. two week schedule. Uh, we've got the next three episodes planned out. Episode 56 is going to be Spaceman from Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Riso, uh, the same creative team that did 100 Bullets. Brian um, Azzarello does Wonder Woman? Or yep, did, well, yeah, does did Wonder, Wonder Woman? Woman. Did I, Wonder does he still write it? I, th- I think, no, he, no, just, he stopped. just stopped. Yep. Yeah. So um, then episode 57 is going to, we're going to do Flashpoint. Yes! Uh, how many issues is that? Is it? Is five? It five or is six? It five or three. I mean, you can buy a straight trade. I mean, but okay. Yeah, so whatever the trade is, anyway. Trade. But make sure it's just the core story. The Flash's core story, not the 
these okay, spin-off cool. stories. So we're going to do Flashpoint for episode 57, and then on episode 58, we're going to do Anne's suggestion of a webcomic called Sin Titulo that just came out in a really beautiful hardcover. Which uh, I tried to describe long ago on the show <laughs> and failed miserably. It was something <laughs> along the lines of, uh, it's about a guy. Multiple realities. So okay. we'll read it, and then you'll understand what I was talking about. <laughs> So that's episode 56, 57, 58. We will figure out the issues after that later on, but uh, that's where we're going from, from there. Um, does anybody else have anything they wanted to touch on before we, uh, before we move on to the future? I really wanted to like this book the first time I read it. I didn't. <laughs> I really wanted to like it the second time. I didn't. Yeah. I All liked right. it both times. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we will see you guys in two weeks. Uh, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com or you can hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or you can hit us up on Twitter at tradesecretspod. Uh, any of those places, if you want to send us questions or comments or talk about the show or tell us how much you love us or tell us how much you hate us, then feel free to comment and we will use whatever you send us on the show, uh, especially emails if you have specific questions about any of the books that we named. Again, we're doing space Spaceman, ask any questions. <laughs> Spaceman, uh, Flashpoint, and Sintitulo. If, if you have questions about any of those, we will we will read them on the show and take care of them. Uh, aside from that, we will see you guys in two weeks. Thank you, Andy, for loaning us your apartment. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Joel, for joining us on the show. Ain't no thing. Thank you, Ann. No problem. Thank you, Eddie. At Grape Doctor Twitter. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> all of our Twitters. Uh, oh, I am yeah. I am at Geek Elite. Ann at Anbean Tweets. Andy. Mathtastrophe. Joel. Superfly. You can follow us all Great on doctor. Twitter. You said it once already. Well, I want to say it again. <laughs> you can follow us all on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we're mostly active there. And the, the main show feed, again, is at Trade Secrets Pod. And we will uh, post show announcements and publishing announcements and that kind of stuff on the, on the main show feed. So see you all in two weeks for Spaceman. This has been episode 55 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. And we are out. Our work is never over. Working harder, making better.